Hello indeed, because hello, hi, hi, hey, hi everybody. Hey, it's me, it's Jeff, it's Jeff May. Why am I so bad at starting a podcast? Uh, well, not starting, but you know, starting the started podcast. It's me, Jeff, from Jeff Has Cool Friends, and I have cool friends. I have such a cool, cool friend to have on here. Uh, I'm so, so, so infinitely excited to have this guy on. I've been waiting to have him on. Uh, you might know him from Nerd Poker, Cortex RPG. He is a stand-up, a writer. You may have seen him on At Midnight or The Pete Holmes Show, uh, and uh, or as a uh, the former senior editor at Mad Magazine. Is that right? That's all right. These are all my credits. Those are all things that you did that I looked up. I mean, it's not like I needed to look up all that, but uh, Dan Telfer, everyone. I think you're right. And thank you, Jeff. Jeff May, everyone. Correct. That is my name. I am. Uh, I'm, I'm doing great. I actually uh, sent a text to uh, a friend of mine who was actually a former student when I was on my way uh, to uh, to record this. And I wrote, uh, hey, uh, do you have any questions for Dan Telfer? And the reason that I said oh. that is because she is a huge fan what? of you and like to the point where i got a dm on twitter that was like wait you know dan telfer ha and i was like yeah i listen to his comedy all the time i'm a huge fan now when you say students you you do boxing and personal training right it's that kind of student no this is what a, do you teach i used to be did you not know that i was a teacher i think i forgot because you and I have only known each other since like 2018 or so, and we haven't talked a ton during the pandemic, but I'm uh, terrible at memory. Well, we were supposed to know each other a long time ago oh? because our our circles are very similar. Yes, like, that is very Nerd Melt was my home club. Same. Yes, we are. We are both. We are both very similar men. <laughs> like we're both mm -hmm. we're both huge nerds and stuff like that. I got started in this world much later because I retired from teaching at 30 to come out here oh. and do this. So do you keep teaching out here now? Like, no, no, I retired. Like I retired. Oh, good for you. I, I wish I could do that from my day jobs. You know what I mean? I, I mean, here's the thing is it's not like I was like smart by doing that. That was, it sounds like you more walked away than you retired. Is that, is that accurate? No, because retirement was a very specific thing that I that it was Be, they literally like incentivized oh. us to retire to save money so like you got you got like your package or whatever I got a $5,000 bonus check to retire hot damn well that's how they tr that's congratulations yeah teacher. but that's cool I'm I am very flattered to hear your student knows who I am yeah this young woman who I I knew as an eighth grader and is now Crazy. you know I'm guessing close to close to 30 now yeah, it's a very interesting uh it's a very interesting dichotomy cuz I don't think of myself as old and then like one of my previous guests is, is one of my former students who plays for the Dallas Cowboys. So all these <laughs> yeah, kids well, you know, uh, are are, are yeah. just full adults now. Mm -hmm. And like adult adults, not just like oh they're 18. When I was in my 20s, I ran some like grief and loss workshops and like high school small group things at my old high school. And in my head, all those people are still 14 years old, but sometimes I'll still bump into them on Facebook or even in Los Angeles or when I'm on the road. And like, they're all, they have gray hair and children. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> I remember, I remember when you were 14 and I was helping you out with all kinds of weird personal sh What has happened? I'm not sure I would have handled teaching this long. When I started teaching, one of my, one of the teachers I worked with was my old English teacher who also had my parents. And if oh, I was geez, that person, please, yeah. I'd be like, what am I still doing in this town?
I remember seeing like my seventh grade teacher retired like during the pandemic. I was like, I thought you were 90 years old when I was in seventh grade. It is. It is. It ages you rapidly. Like education ages you rapidly, uh, I guess, because you're also you generally tend to be a little bit smarter, although not as smart as I thought. When I showed up at the school that I taught at and I didn't realize how many stupid people had that job. And it kind of Hmm. it kind of was jarring to me. You don't realize how many people in that job are just one chapter ahead of you when you're a kid learning. Yeah. I'm lucky. I had some I had some good teachers, but also from like so kinder preschoolish to like fourth grade, I was in a Catholic school in Joliet, Illinois, which you could guess how that could have some flaws. And then uh, I went into basically like this very redneck suburb for fifth grade through eighth grade where it was I had a couple of smart teachers, but most of them were very questionable and and it got better after that. But there was like definitely <laughs> young years. I was like, I was, I was precariously educated. Yeah. I was a, I was a disruption in class as a student. I was, uh, I was massively impulsive. I had, I was riddled with ADHD and that's not a sure. surprise. And a lot of people, when they became teachers, they became teachers for like the, I, you know, this teacher motivated me and I want to be like this teacher. Which, sure, but I'm incredibly competitive, so the reason that I kind of went into teaching is because of all the bad teachers. Right. Yeah, I know. Like, I I, I still technically teach comedy for Second City, and I've taught, I've taught that for, like, going on 14 years, and I don't do it because it's the best thing to do. I do it because I don't want someone else to do it. Like, I'm, it's like, like kind of. It, it, like like I like I don't hate it. I don't dislike it. I do love it. But also I'm like, oh, I'd rather be just performing than like telling people how to do it. You know, it's it's just that, you know, like I remember when I first got offered the gig, I was like, right now there's this weird workshop in Las Vegas where a couple of comedians who shall not be named were like running this pyramid scheme where you pay them a few thousand dollars and then like you you get paid $20 to open for them in Vegas. And I was just like, this is such a scam. What if, what if we, what if we just did an open mic and then gave each other like positive feedback and didn't try to write each other's jokes. We just were like, Oh, what if you went more in this direction? And that's all I do. Right. But like, yeah, I would rather just be just doing stand up. but guess what pays more, you know, it is wild. How shockingly teaching (laughs) it's funny too, because with stand up, like, with, for example, at Mint on Card, we we pay comics through donations, and it has been cons- like it started out rough, but it has consistently been where we're paying comics at least twenty bucks to do a ten minute set in a toy store, which is like weirdly better than clubs. Mm-hmm. And so that I was like, well, look, if we can do this based off of entirely donations, these clubs need to be. So I got asked to do. A guy, a booker for a, a comedy club, a relatively new club, hit me up and he's like, hey, I'm the booker for this club. We'd love to have you on, give you a show, whatever you want. And I was like, what's the rate? And they were like, ooh, yeah, we're not like <laughs> paying right now. And I was like, great. Well, I'm too old and too good to work for free to make <laughs> you money. So hit me up when you guys get a yeah. budget and I will, I will be happy to do it. The whole industry is so 
right now, but like it wasn't in a good place beforehand. I think the the thing that's going to be hardest to bounce back from. Do you know Amber Preston? You must know Amber. Oh, of Preston. course, I love Amber yeah, Amber was, Preston. She's a delight. I saw her a couple days ago. We were we just briefly talked about it, but basically all the ass took over during the pandemic. Like all the people who thought thought vaccines were fake, uh, and the and the virus was fake never stopped doing comedy took over all the rooms while all the other venues that were smart got shut down and now like if you want to go do a spot you have to get it from some 21 year old who thinks that people with weakened immune systems need to die off and it's like oh or someone who yeah or someone who didn't (laughs) care it's not even that people thought it was a fake it's just that they were like you gotta rise and grind or like and that's somehow that's somehow worse to me well, there's a couple of clubs that I really would love to work, but like I did see them on Facebook just yelling at comedians because comedians were saying, can you please shut down? And they were like, I'm not I'm not shutting down for this. You know, I need to make a living. And, and meanwhile, like everyone was getting sick at their club. Every comedian who went there would pass out on stage, go home and get tested positive. And it was like it was like, OK, well, you're not a bad person, but that is terrifying. And I watched it happen. I don't I feel like I have a weird experience <laughs> associated with you now <laughs> uh, like honestly the the thing about clubs and why i've been pulling myself further away like i've kind of leaned into the fact that i'm never going to be that mainstream comic and i don't even know what that is anymore but these club sure. comics that they're like well i got to get my sets in at the improv and then i got to go to the laugh factory no, and it's like, all that and it's like here's the thing yeah. they know about the rapists and it's in the news yep and they're still and a booking lot of them, them are the ones who are those are usually the people willing to work when COVID's spiking. Too. Of course, they're, they've got nothing to lose. Yeah, what am I going to do? Die? I've already been ostracized. Yeah, so. not a huge moral moral backbone uh, throughout. Well, luckily, if I can maybe steer the conversation in a brighter note, luckily, I think David Cross and Janine Garofalo kind of did all that hard work for us in the 90s. So plenty of music venues are willing to work with us and uh luckily over the last 20 years you know people have convinced laundromats and pizza shops to join too so we we can figure it out it's just kind of chaos right now my dream tour is to do comic shops like i literally have a name like i wanted to i actually uh pitched a show called the um the comic store comics tour it was like going to be like a travel stand up doc mhm where it would be comics, like nerd comics, going to different comic shops and like discussing and dissecting nerd culture oh, while so doing stand up. And then the people were like, we're not interested in that. Yeah, there is a lot of comic shops in L.A. I'm sure you could get something going around here. There's 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 options. Well, here's the thing is I'm pretty exclusive with Blast from the Past because I've been doing a show at their comic shop since 2016. I really want to do a tour and do like the best comic shop in Austin, Austin books and games. Like, and and I think I hit them up and they're like, yeah, we do events. I'd be like, that would be awesome. If if you're willing to settle too, like there's, there's a, a skateboard shop that does live shows and it's next to a gaming store in uh, Fullerton, California. <laughs> like there's a lot of stuff like that where like you'd go like, Hey, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to perform in the laundromat next to the comic book store. But, yeah. There's uh, going to be something like that's, I think, I think comic shops to me are like that. They're the main street, you know, when they're like main street versus wall street, like co- local comic well, shops to me are like that, that that's my nerd skew of what that is. That's what so many people's like main street is, but also like think about the most 
condescending gatekeeper you experienced in junior high. They probably were the person at the comic book store. You know, sometimes. Like they could be, sometimes they could be really cool, but uh, they're, they're memorialized forever in The Simpsons as somebody who just like, yeah, so, uh, I mean, good luck to you, I guess is my point. You know what's funny, though, too, is like after having so much interaction and having worked at a comic shop, it is funny how that stereotype is such a minority now of comic i mean clearly oh, if you sure. go to a convention you'll see some of the old old school vendors that are that hit the stereotype hard well yeah and and also i know there's always been fantasy sports math nerds but i'm speaking to a nerd who i've never seen without a sports baseball hat on and like i think i think nerd culture has been completely mainstreamed for a solid 20 years one of the things, and I think that's uh, literally important for me to sort of stress out for kids, and I used to do this for my students too, is that I've always been a nerd, like, and I've always been an out sure. nerd, uh, and I look like a bro. I have a very bro energy. <laughs> I've been treated negatively more by nerds as an adult. Absolutely. Same. Yes. That, that they, tre- they treat me like I'm like a faker. I can speak to that, too, because I've always when I was a kid, I I related a lot to nerds, but I was never cool enough to eat at their table, Um, mostly because I couldn't remember things. Oh, really? I I have symptoms of ADHD, too. I was told that I remember faces too well to have ADHD, but I was mostly referred to as a spaz. And I liked a lot of nerdy stuff, but I was mostly just like, like you were saying, like just, like just vibrating through school the entire right. Time. And so I wasn't invited to play in a lot of D and D games as a kid, and um, as a result, like especially because I can't remember a lot of trivia, nerds will constantly come up to me and just be like, "You're fake," and it's like, okay, like what? I think I think at some point, like when the guys who run the Penny Arcade comic on on the internet started running multi-million dollar conventions just nerds like took over and every single one of them carried baggage from childhood and we're like we're going to destroy everyone that makes us slightly upset yeah anyone with broad shoulders can die or broad shoulders but also like anyone who can't remember this star wars quote i'm gonna ruin their life you know what i mean it's funny too like i did have an interaction with that app one of the people who's a friend of mine at a comic shop, like something bad had happened to me and I forget what it was. And he kind of snickered. And I was like, why would you do that? Like, why is that funny? And he was like, well, it's sort of like getting revenge on my high school bully. And I was like, dude, I was the fattest kid in my grade my entire life. I was bullied the whole time. I was like, I was the one that got bullied. How are you treating me? Like, how is that fair? And he was just like, I hadn't, really thought about that i was like there you go right that, that, that's do perhaps humans have a rich tapestry of experiences exactly. behind them that 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 gatekeeping even, thing is so weird to me well and i've had prejudice against bullies welcome to my cat duncan behind me by the way like of my five main bullies i bumped into like three of them and none of them could remember bullying and they were all just sort of like hey my old buddy and it was really confusing and i think it's just because they dismiss it as they do it they're they're probably well they probably don't view it as a bullying behavior either they were probably getting their ass kicked at home or something and then for them to go act out they were like they were on autopilot yeah downhill yeah 
Yeah. And I, I mean, one of them messaged me on on MySpace to apologize and say that he had tried to turn his life around. And that blew my mind a little bit. But uh, I think I think like even bullies there, are, like you said, even even the people who ruined your childhood are often of many stripes uh, when they grow up. And I got the kicked out of me. So I think that says something. I got one of my best friends. Her brother punched me in the head on a on a bus one time. And I and he's like a cop now. Of course he is. <laughs> and and I and and she was like, "Oh yeah, you know, my brother blah, blah blah." I was like, "You mean the one that punched me in the head on the late bus coming home from school one time?" And she's like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, that happened." And he's like, "I don't remember that." And I was like, "Well, why would you? Why would you ever right. remember that?" Being an impulsive class clown riddled with ADHD, I said terrible things as a kid. Oh, me too. Yeah, I was I was I was especially like 19 when I hit 19, I was the chip on my shoulder was enormous. I said terrible things to people. I absolutely recognize that that is bullying behavior. And so sometimes people will come back and they'll be like, you said this awful thing. I was like, you're probably right. And it was awful. And I'm I'm sorry. And if I could go back in time and undo that, I would. All I can tell you is I'm so very different now. And I'm so sorry if anything I did hurt you, harmed you, it clearly had a lasting effect. And they, it, it is incredibly shocking to people. They'll be like, oh, well, yeah. okay. And I'm like, look, man, you, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I was an impulsive child seeking attention. And the insults are the easiest thing to come. It's like such an easy thing oh, to come yes. when people are mean. So much, so much easier to destroy than create, right? Yeah. Like knocking someone down is a hundred times easier than like, building a rapport or figuring out how to work with them, you know? Yeah. But, and it's funny too, because people will, you know, they'll see me, but then they'll see like the, the thousands of graphic novels behind me and, and all the toys and stuff. And they'll be like, none of this matches. And I'll be like, it does. You're just stereotyping. Once you start talking for a little, I can tell you're a nerd. I can tell you're a nerd jeff we've been around each other but i think the first time that we ever really interacted officially was at uh i think it was bobby oliver's mic oh that sounds like it might be right yeah 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 at the dow comedy studio and and i was just like i know this guy we've been in the (laughs) same places a lot i mean yeah and you were leaving and i said good set to you and you were and then you turned around and came back to watch my set and that, I remember I, that. I remember yes. that. And I think it might have been because I was wearing an X-Men jacket. <laughs> That'll do it. It might have been something, but you, because you had walked out and I was like, that's a great set. And then, because I, I remember I saw you, you did like a fish hook pattern where you were like leaving and then turned around, came back and sat. And that stuck with me as like, oh yeah, he's, he's like I a good dude. There's a solid chance you guilted me into staying. But that being said, I do I'm a strong believer in once you do your set at a mic, you stay around as long as possible, like at least one more, if not two more comedians. And if you have any time in your schedule of the whole thing, because I think that is more watching other people that you may not even think are funny, but with the spirit of I hope they succeed does more, I think, for your writing and performing brain than driving across town to repeat the same words at another open mic. Yeah, and to see how it works in a crowd in a pizza shop. The thing that a lot of people try to do, especially in New York, and I just think those jokes are not as funny as they think they are. I think that that creates a very formulaic, like like one-liner pattern that is really overdone and often is like 
without real interaction or engaging with the audience. And, and I, I, I don't know. I was glad to see your set. I was happy. I'm happy to stick around at Mike's and some, cause like you'll see some, some of the worst comedy in your, of your life at open mics, but it's fun when they're, when they're good, you do want to tell them like, good job. Cause it's, cause you, you pray they will make the scene more interesting, especially to like, you know, I book a show. So sometimes I want I oh, don't it makes it so much easier if you know <laughs> new comedians. I don't want to chase names because names don't sell seats. Yes, they just don't in L.A. Like the our best comedians that'll sell out rooms in any other city. You can put them as the as your headliner on any show in L.A. and you might get an eight person bump or something like that. It's just headliners. Yeah, nobody it's not the same here. I want to give opportunities to incredibly talented people that you might not have ever heard of. Um, and that that's one of those things. You know who does the the watching thing too, which always stuck with me? Bill Burr. I did a show yeah, and Bill Burr cool. was watching. And he's one of those ethical comics that I don't think is watching for other people's material. You know, I completely agree. It, it's not he like seems, a Mencia. He seems very down to earth. He seems like the kind of person where if he pissed you off, he would sit and listen to why he pissed you off and he would apologize. He would still piss you off, but he would <laughs> he would he would uh, he would be human about it, which I think a lot of people uh, are very competitive in the wrong way. And they think they have to win uh, uh, the, the scene. It is such a weird form of, of competition. And I get that way sometimes, too, where I'll see people. I'll see people getting buzz that are also incredibly petty and consistently talk about like how great they are and how better they are than so-and-so. I'm always like, what what are you doing? There's this dude who he keeps getting all these amazing opportunities. Who's from Chicago. And like, he's gotten these, these hour long specials on big streaming networks. And I'm like, I remember when like, a woman in Chicago had a restraining order against you. You were the biggest piece of shit to every comedian in Chicago. And now everyone's just like, oh, he's just so nice and so fun. And you're going to encounter so many people like that the longer you do this because you're thrown in. It's not like a lot of uh, forms of comedy or performance or writing where you get thrown into a group and like you find a group of like-minded people and eventually you stick with them. You're constantly thrown into a large bowl of people you have zero things in common with over and over. And you're going to see a lot of recurring faces who are garbage people. And it's really, I mean, shows are like group projects in high school. Every group, every group project is different and every, every show that you get booked on, there was one time that I was opening for Val in Boston and this guy, this this piece of shit comic named like Don Zullo or something like that comes in and I'm, I'm saying his name because I don't like him. And he, ah. uh, him. Well, if he, he still lives out there, yeah, he's doomed f- anyway. Well, he did this whole like anti-trans, um, it was like all about like a Jaws movie where a dolphin is claiming to be a shark. And it was like this identify. He was doing all that, and I went up afterwards. And I'm lucky enough to be in the position where I can just on people like that. And I don't mostly on shows, but I went up on that show, and it was like he was dropping in. The club just let this dude drop in. Val's audience is not the kind of audience that would be okay with this, right? So I was just like, well, f- this. I I don't mind burning this bridge. I know Val's not going to want to, but f- this. And I was like. Do y'all think you were going to get a 12-minute hate speech TED Talk just now? 
and like all the and we, I just roasted this dude for like most of my set and like killed Good. while I was doing it. But I was just like, Good. this guy, he bombed and he should know why he bombed. And I made sure that he right. Did. And like and like you know you're playing a long game that a lot of comics don't understand. I think a lot of my my I would love to just get into this for a second because I love venting about this. Let's do it, man. I, I I feel like what comedians don't understand is your bull will live much longer than you actually believing in your bull. This the, the, these jokes will stick even if you don't record them on the internet, they will stick in people's heads and they will remember you're a piece of longer than they'll remember you're funny it's because of trauma they're gonna if, if you are if you're doing a show where all you do is talk about how women are lesser than women are 51 percent of the population there's gonna be women in your and they're gonna hate you and even if everyone's laughing those like, women yeah, are gonna be like they're gonna see you for laughing and that's gonna be that's gonna be your legacy and also in addition to that i think a lot of comedians right now especially super millionaire ones who can off they forget this really basic comedy rule that i think we all learn pretty early and some of us forget because we're lazy and nothing makes you lazier than when you're rich people often laugh because they're uncomfortable yeah and i think a lot of people forget the whole point of comedy is to enjoy the laughter but a lot of people are laughing because they they're like haha someone here I'm better than that person, and like, and like that makes them uncomfortable. But then they revel in that discomfort, and they become a audience member as well. Sometimes they're just like, ah, but it's jokes, and they'll dismiss it, so they don't become a bad person. But they did revel in discomfort, and that, like, why are we doing this if not for the joy laughter? For the like, and the, I love to a dark make people happy. I love taking shots at people in comedy. I love dark humor about death, destruction, and horror. But at the same time, if it is ruining the life of someone who is already being othered all you're doing is getting laughs from people who are like i can't believe this is happening which is like i laugh the same way when i'm about to get on a roller coaster and i know vertigo is going to kick in and i'm gonna have a miserable time so like it doesn't yeah like, it, some of that, these millionaire people just forgot how to write a joke they're like okay i'll make i'll make this audience laugh with with oh i can't believe he's saying that by being mean to people who are already experienced because and also there's this whole thing of people think just because someone has a platform that they didn't used to, that they're being condescending. Yeah. Right. Like I think that's why everyone keeps going after trans people, which is what you said that made me think of this is I, I think people confuse the fact with trans trans people finally have a platform to defend themselves with their talking down to everybody as in their high status and need to be get, taken down a peg. Yeah, it's and interesting. No, they just finally have a platform with the internet. That's all it is. It's one of those things, too, where, like, of course there are trans people that are ass. I know some of them. But that yeah, doesn't but... mean that assertiveness is being an ass. Like, learn yeah. that being an ass is being an ass. I, I think multimillionaires truly forget your power is so much more attractive than whether or not you're funny. So you... Every special you put out after you have millions of dollars, you need to be aware people will come and laugh at you no matter how dumb you sound, right? Like if you're waving your power around, people will continue to prop you up. So you may as well be funny and try hard and evolve at the same time. So your legacy isn't, remember that piece of shit? 
that had 10 Netflix specials. One of my this reminds me of a thing I was on uh, one of my uh, one of the groups I'm on on Facebook. I very minimally go on Facebook, but I have to be on a couple of like statue forum um, because of the the job that I had doing social media and stuff and working for these statue companies. And somebody, a guy posted a thing, an honest question that was like, hey, with all the weird stuff that you find out about some actors and like, it was sort of, the question was sort of like, does owning stuff with Amber Heard or Johnny Depp's likeness make you uncomfortable with the collectible that you bought? Like kind of a thing. Like how do you relate Mm -hmm. when somebody is like, does something awful to, you know, to the, to what, and, and you have a piece of them, right? It's a good question. An honest, good mm-hmm. question of how, do you separate the art from the artist and blah blah blah. This one dude on this goes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read it verbatim because this is such a weird and stereotypical answer. I'm having a one of a kind life size Bill Cosby statue made. I loved the Cosby Show. Wife's not thrilled about it, but that's her problem. To which I replied, "It tends to be women's problems when it comes to rapists." <laughs> but hey, at least you have a huge statue of a rapist that your wife hates. Because like that kind mm-hmm. of an idea of like, but it's, you know, it's everybody else's problem. I'm still going to do my thing. Is that really? Right. Is that? And, well, in, and in comedy, we see that a lot, too. I try to I try to pick fewer fights with individuals because I just don't have the stamina. I don't I don't I feel like there's too many. They'll catch me off guard when I'm when I'm trying to go on Facebook for compliments and then it'll ruin my day. You know, like I I I have tweeted about all the pieces of in comedy and it's funny like I'll I'll tweet and then think, "Ah, oh, yeah, them, I got them." A few people read my 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 you and I changed their mind. And then like a week later, like I said something about Louis C.K. because I know three of the women that he cornered and tried to ruin the careers of. And the next week, my tweet was a headline on Breitbart. And I was I had people I well, but I had people like finding my private email address and sending death threats and stuff. And just because I just because I called him a piece. I don't like calling these people out either. And and it's because like I would rather work. But at the same time, how else do we clean up Bill Cosby? If you if you have fond memories of his albums and you can separate the art from the artist. I don't have, I don't, I don't have time to talk you down from that. All I can tell you is as soon as I realized that was credible, I threw all his albums in the trash and I grew up on his, my mom played his cassettes in the car when we drove to Disney world from Chicago, but I don't see how you can't throw a Johnny Depp statue in the trash. You know, like it's, it, it, it's, it's such a weird argument to me. I get I get it being a good argument or a good conversation, but for me it's like yeah, but what it's it's kind of like what you're saying, right? Like 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 okay, like let's pretend this this planter I have on my desk that's a tyrannosaurus and has some succulents in it. Let's pretend this is was Jack Sparrow or something. I don't want to look up at my I, Oh, look that guy who, who beat up case. his wife. Yeah. yeah, you know, and and also like I'm I'm getting a little exhausted by that being in the news. It sounds like like two pieces of being to each other. Right, that, that's <laughs> so, a, I've been very interested in that, that everybody's following it. And I'm like, why are you people really following this? I think taking sides in that means you don't have enough of your own uh, stuff to focus on. I don't know what's going on. But a lot, like a I, lot of a lot of men that are probably not allowed to see their kids on the weekend are very, very happy that it seems like Amber Heard is sort of 
her Look, de- her I mean, defense or accusations are fall are like spiraling. I don't. I'm not following this. I just I know what people are sharing, and I'm seeing a lot of the men that I went to school with right. saying awful things uh, about Amber Heard, and I don't know what the story is. I kind of don't want to. This seems like something that is private between two people. That well, yeah, needs to exactly. Be it it seems like they were both just nightmares to each other, and I don't I don't get how villainizing one person when like did you ever see the movie Nothing But Trouble? Uh the one with Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, I I think it's Dan Aykroyd and maybe John Candy, but at one point, Demi Moore. Two of them. Yeah, well, who's it? Let me look up real quick. It's, yes, Demi Moore, Chevy Chase, John Candy. So, like, at one point, two of the leads are playing secondary characters. I'm pretty sure it's Dan Aykroyd and, and one of the other leads. And they're in they're in these really over-the-top, disgusting fat suits. And they're just having, like, a they're, they're these, these baby adults who, who are, like, babies who are, like, they're, like, chained in a junkyard or something. And they're in, like, a mud pit, and they're just slapping each other and the whole point is to just watch these grotesque things it's not funny really it has aged terribly um it's very grotesque and it's i feel like that's basically what this trial is it's like look at look at look at this grotesque watch a grotesque match in the mud yeah i i I, what do you gain i mean sure either either of those sides can sound like somebody who ruined your life or made life very hard for you or traumatized you. That doesn't mean the other person is a hero. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so I want, I want we're going to we're going to make a, a little pivot in a second. But the first thing I do want to say oh, is that uh, you know that I have cool friends and uh, you are one of them. I also have cool producers. And uh, if you go to patreon.com slash Jeff May uh, and you want to subscribe, thank you. If you're listening to this for free, thank you for your ears. If you're listening to this for money, thank you way more for your ears. I appreciate that. And if you want to go in a slightly higher tier, you can be a producer and then I can read your name off. How exciting is that? Um, so I would love to give a following shout out, uh, and then, uh, we can talk about these if you want, or we can just plow through them. Oh, what if we could be riff on them and be funnier than I was for the last 10 minutes? I, I'm, that would a benefit. I mean, we'll hold off and talk about your <laughs> cancer if you want to get funny. No, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly healthy. I'm six years cancer free. just know, as I'm, a I'm public so, service. I'm so happy about that. And you have, you got, you got a thick head of hair too, which that's, that's awesome. I have amazing hair. You do. Uh, I would love to shout out producer Norm from Cheers. He also finds all the swears and sends them what? to me on there. Yeah, Norm from the actual Norm from Cheers. The actual Norm. Yes. I forgot he was real. Uh, yeah, it's weird. It, he's also an animatronic puppet at the uh, Cheers airport or something. I don't know. What? There, it's a, there was a lawsuit. In Boston? There was a lawsuit that there was like a Cheers in an airport with animatronic norm and oh my uh, god cliffs and they got sued by george went and um next time John you Ratzinger. go to o'hare have you have you seen the blues brothers gold statues in o'hare airport that's like courtesy of the house of blues and dan Aykroyd and jim belushi and that is that should be illegal and they did that on purpose i hate that movie so much i really do my dad was in it i i liked it when i was a kid i don't know how well it's aged it's i mean i'm glad Chicago. i have a lot of people that are just like this is the greatest movie and i'm like how how is this? I mean, well, movie? I'll tell you how Carrie Fisher with a machine gun. I mean, that's fair, but that's that would take a lot. <laughs> Didn't she have a machine gun in the burbs? No, that was that was not her. Um, shout out to Burrito Mouth, Dan Hackroyd. Oh, damn. Look at that. 
Uh, shout out to as long as we're bringing back Pepsi Blue, let's bring back the Bigfoot Pizza from Pizza Hut. Yes. You're, yeah, you're not wrong. Although I do say that more pizza from Pizza Hut is not something that I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Support. They haven't aged well. They they used to be my favorite pizza because you could get a pizza salad bar where you pay like ten bucks and have unlimited pizza from that was just laid out on a table like a salad bar. But like. They're, they've changed their recipe a bunch of times. They're pretty trashy right now. Little Caesars is my lead pizza. My lead pizza is Domino's. They're... Ugh, but they're run by Trump people. Are they? Yeah. Their 2009 rebound was so strong. Uh, I really supported that. But, uh, you know, Little Caesars. I mean, I guess it's hard to find any company that's not owned by somebody who at the top is a Trump person. I think I think I Little Caesars is better. run by like I want to say they're run by pro union Detroit yes, people. Yes, so I want, Little I want to Caesars say is call. Little Caesars are like the good guys of mass pizza of mass pizza production. I do know that. Um, it's just unfortunately Little Caesars, but I will. I would, <laughs> it, it is under a heat lamp. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is cafeteria pizza, um, but I do like all the good they've done. Everybody, check out the 1994 comedy Twin Sitters, the 90s movie ever made. The Itty Bitty Millie Committee, Pity the Fool. Kelly says, get your okay. booster, you gaslighting dip turds. Oh. Um, shout out to the guy who played JJ in Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Oh, huge fan. Uh, shout out to my uh, co-producer from Mint on Card, Lisa Harden. Shout out to Jessica Robertson, Silius Ruby, uh, the digital Phil, the ghost of Dave Thomas. He's alive. Yeah, who knows? The ghost is alive theory the great advertising scam a jeff may joint it's not a scam the show's coming i got covid i went on a game show it got delayed i'm so sorry uh it's coming don't worry uh in the time since he changed his name on this document jez butt had a kid got a new job and got covid um he probably doesn't have what at least life. one of those things by now kimball the casual frankenstein Shout out to the target loss prevention officer currently hunting Jeff. That is a reference to the fact that I shoplift M&Ms every time I go to Target. What? Yeah. Who? Would, how old are you? You shoplift M&Ms? Yeah. It's just like a tax that I charge them for giving them my, my business. <laughs> just one pack of peanut M&Ms. That's it. All right. I could I afford it if I... It's not like I couldn't not afford the M&Ms. It's just, you know, I do it. Fair, fair. Shout out to Steven, Mr. Billy Beck, Cody Beck, Mike Gouts, Lisa McCarty at Comics Book Girl. Comics with an X and Girl with a U. Aeschylus and his tortoise. That is a reference to a question that I should have gotten right on the game show. Uh, but I did get paid for that. So I got paid this morning, actually. I checked my bank account. What game show? I was on bullshit on Netflix. Oh, sweet. And I woke up I this morning. I woke up this morning and checked my bank account and it increased by a lot. Oh, really? Not like union minimum? Like I thought they paid people? I was a contestant and I won some money. Oh, oh f yeah. I can't wait to see you on there. You're well, you'll see me lose because they edited out my run, my winning run, but I still got paid. Cool. When we're done, text me how much you won, and I'll congratulate you. Oh, I'll say it on here. I'll say it on here. I won uh, $250,000. Oh, my God. Yeah. but That's better than they what they win on this circle. So after taxes, I'll walk away with probably like 123 Wow. Oh, my God, Jeff. I've never had that much money. Neither have I. 
and I won't for much longer because I have to buy a car and then I have to get a bunch of back taxes taken care of. So it, it's way till the APRs go down again. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to buy a car in cash. Like I'm not going to yes. I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to pay an extra eight thousand dollars for a car so I don't have to pay it off when I have the money to pay it off. That's fair. That's fair. Well, you know, keep an eye on how bad the computer chip shortage may be having people gouge their prices. And also, I can't recommend enough buying an electric car for obvious reasons. Yeah, I'm going to try to buy something closer to that. But I'm, I'm, everyone's like, what kind of car are you going to get? I'm like, I don't know, like a Corolla. Like, I don't, I'm not the kind of person. Oh, get that's... like a Prius Prime or something, man. We're in end times. Get some shit you can plug in. Yeah, I understand that. But I know Priuses have been getting their stolen all the time so all there you know what i'll tell it well right my girlfriend had her catalytic converter stolen in 2020 but her she has an old prius the new ones have a cage around the catalytic converter oh you can't steal them hell yeah uh but yeah so i got that that's uh it's fun it's fun that that happened it's nice to see that amount uh, in my bank account i really wish they had taken taxes out before they paid me fantastic though good job shout out to dr dna thor creature feature uh, the scene in Meet Joe Black where Brad Pitt dies. I'm never going to have a history podcast, you little sh**, so stop asking. Mackenzie, Sisyphus may be happy, but he's into CrossFit, so f*** him, chill. Instagram and Twitter's at Bob underscore of underscore skull. Uh, bring back Pepsi Blue, which is a reference to the as long as we're bringing back Pepsi Blue, let's bring the Bigfoot back. It, it sounds like that's a running theme. People, because uh, this this is a an editable document. I'm, I'm gonna be, all my producers have a link to go and change their names. So sometimes they react to each other's names. For a while, there was a war between two people named Stephen, and it was great. Um, shout out to Lemming Malloy. Uh, shout out to Jocular Haggard Cantankerous Fool. You're also going to see a lot of J- JHCF references here. Shout out to Paul Dano's first official credit is in a failed pilot called Sensei Rainbow and the Dojo Kids. Oh, no. Jeff may convince me to quit Twitter and you should quit, too, because it's awful. Bitch Scotch and Clippy are Jeff's coolest friends. Shout out to Michael Wells. Nicholas, happy to pay more for this privilege. Fabian. Shout out to the local man at Gavin underscore not not with two T's. Jen, be earnest and enjoy what you love. Ass of Bass. That's a good one. Yeah, it is. That's a good one. Adam Warlock. He All wants that your wants. soul. Right. Shout out to Verbose Minimalist. Uh, ooh, I, that, I, I was really loud on that one. I heard myself uh, come back. Uh, shout out to the Pajamari on Instagram for pictures of my feats of strength. Kale's only true purpose is as the garnish at a 1996 Pizza Hut buffet. Christy Salinas. <gasps> Pizza Hut buffet. Remember? Yeah. See that? Oh, my God. Are they changing their names live while we talk? <laughs> Wouldn't that be fantastic? Uh, the references. Out. Parker Aylesworth is not that tall. He has fake legs. Yeah, there's a lot of Pizza Hut references, I've realized. My fan, I've curated a very interesting fan base. Uh, shout out to three Jacob Tremblings in a trench coat sneaking into an R-rated movie. Uh, where's Clawful? Clawful is the Masters of the Universe guy. Of course that he I is. Collect. Are you, yeah, you're a fan, yeah? I adapted Masters of the Universe for tabletop role playing. So, oh yes. Oh oh. Shit. He um he ended up being one of the Kickstarter push goals, right? Oh sweet. I think like a statue of him. Yeah, the little like the little tabletop. Hmm. Uh, but he's my guy. That's what I collect. He's great. Shout out to uh, Cronenberger Meister Meisterberger. 
Shout out to, it was me, Jeff. I've been giving you $10 a month since the beginning so you could afford more gas station Pop-Tarts, keeping you sluggish, just slow enough for me to steal Christmas. I'm a big Christmas fan. Good. Yeah. How are you for, <laughs> what's your, what are your holidays? Are you a, are you a Halloween guy? Oh, Halloween, 100%. I like Christmas too. I love just driving around and looking at Christmas lights, but Halloween, man, that is, that is amazing stuff. Uh, El Seldo asks, who's your favorite Robin? Do you have a favorite Robin? Eh. Robin Leach. It's easy to remember. Well, well, yeah, if we're just talking like across the board Robins, it's probably not the one they put on tights. Uh, But but, I don't know. Robin Tunney? Robin Tunney's great. She's going to be at, um, I just saw that she is going to be at uh, Monster Palooza. That'll be this weekend. Robin Williams also not that bad. This weekend in Pasadena. Head Head on out. Check out the Tweeterhead booth. I'll be there. Uh, yeah, that, that is funny. Who's your favorite Robin? I'm like, I don't know. Robin Hood men in tights. Oh, I guess it's still in tights. W- Williams or Tunney? It's a, it's a close one. That's a good. Yeah, those are good ones. In Soviet Russia, we have cool Jeffs. Shout out to Aaron Meyer, Ricky Cilantro, Big Booty Boy, 420-69, Asking Seven, Tyler Wilgus, Jeff using deep blue sea memes to break bad news. Gray man of the nightmare potluck. Everyone is welcome at the table. Yeah, I announced Betty White's death via a, a deep blue sea meme that I made. You know, one of my favorite dumb movie lines is when LL Cool J lights the shark on fire and, and says, you ate my bird. <laughs> that made me laugh really hard. Uh, that's a great movie. I love it. But I think it, it was, um, who was it? It was the Skarsgård that was in that movie. And right when he's about to get his arm bitten off by the shark. And, oh, uh, sure, sure, and sure. I think I wrote, I think I put Betty White fans over him and then 2022 on the shark. It was just like a. Have whole, you seen the Northman yet? Speaking of Scars Guards. I need to. I know. I've been, it is the most m- masculine movie. Oh, my God. I don't I want to ruin it for you, but I'll just say it's if you've seen Big Little Lies where that Scars Guard is married to Nicole Kidman, it is very disturbing to see Nicole Kidman be his mother. And it, it, it's it's like, okay, well, that's what's happening. Yeah, this is how it goes. Nicole Kidman, when she was came out in Aquaman as the the father, the mother, excuse me, of two men over 40, I was just like, come on, guys. Because she was, uh, <laughs> it was Patrick Wilson. And um, God, why am I forgetting his name? He's gorgeous. Jason Momoa? Jason Momoa, yeah. And I'm like, those men are over 40. She's like, not their mother. And then their dad's is Boba Fett or, or uh, Jay. Right. But in Hollywood, Nicole Kidman and Betty White were in the same age range. Exactly. So. Uh, show me in the rules where it says a dog can't play basketball. Funky Jay. Barty Marty tried Jeff's egg-based diet, and all he got was this stupid nickname. I love eggs, man. They're great. I'm a, I've been vegetarian since I was 16. Can't quit eggs. I, why can't I quit you? Gerard Ruane. Shout out to Kool-Aid Molotov says Twitter jail sucks, but telling Ted Cruz to fall onto a box of scorpions with poop-tipped stingers was well worth it. Uh, Good. Agreed. You know who's a great comedian who's in Twitter jail? Derek Sheen. Do you know Derek Sheen? I don't know Derek. Really funny comedian from Seattle. Highly recommend him. Look him up. I I think we should, everybody. That's, That's the big plug here. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Gregarious Gregorio, Goji, Jeff Hates Competitive Fun. That is a mashup of a reference to this podcast. And also, You Don't Even Like Sports, the sports podcast I run for people who don't like sports. Rudy, what's your favorite Pokemon, Rueda? Do you have a favorite Pokemon? Hmm. 
Uh, oh, yeah. No question. Slowpoke. The little pink weirdo who sleeps all the time. Oh, hell yeah. That seems like a really shitty one to have in, in like a fight. I, I think he's... I Pokemon man. I've played Pokemon. The, my whole goal in Pokemon is to get the weirdest, most innocuous, dumb looking ones and try to like level them up so high they can destroy people. I used to do that with Star Wars card, the Star Wars card game that yeah, I used same, to Same thing, yeah. Uh, I used to try to do like, I'm going to make a Jawa deck. And see if I can beat your Vader deck or what, you know, like well, just a bunch of Jawa, like 30 Jawas murdering Vader. I used to do that in sports video games. I'd try to get really good and then like take the 1992 Minnesota Timberwolves to the NBA finals. That was a lot of fun. I, I always, yeah, playing like uh, NBA Jam with the Mavericks or something like that oh, yeah. too or, or whatever. Yeah, I always liked that. My favorite thing to do would be, be to make five foot tall, 460 pound players in Madden. And get had him have him do like a 4.0 40 yard dash. Uh-huh. I was always just I just really wanted to do that, like make these like super tiny, but like just basically these human tiny walls, but have them run so fast. All right, so where was uh do 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 Andrew? You don't even like Batman, McGuire. Jeff has comely feet. Uh, that means they're covered in cum. No, uh, gross. Nerd numbers. Jeff May is really big in my tight little circle. Yeah, that's definitely a thing I said out loud in a podcast, and I will pay for that forever. Shout out to Huey, Bart Fartigan, Patrick Dorr, at AV Foundry, Jennifer Fendelander, Bodacious Big Bad Bouncing Bollock Bonanza, uh, The Most Well-Prepared Dead Guy, and Jumping Rope, Still a Sport, Jeff Not Liking It, Still a Fact. That is a lot of people that are uh, supporting me, and I appreciate that. That's so great. Thank you for supporting. Supporting this stuff really makes uh, people keep doing it, even if they have won a game show. Yeah, that money is already spoken for. And people are like, what are you exactly. going to do now? I'm like, it's still try to live. Dude, yeah, I would pay dental bills is what I would do. <laughs> I have two teeth I got to buy. Like, that's... I just got three new ones, and it is such a relief, let me tell you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Where'd you get them? Like, inside the... I, my molars. I had I had molars that needed replacing, and I got the fancy zirconia ones, so I wouldn't have to worry about it. Did you get a bridge, or did you get implants? I got implant. I got you know they they dial them down to a stub, and they they put a crown on top of it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. Because I think I have to get like a screw. Like I got pulled. Like mine were pulled out. I I had that happen to me when I was a little kid. I just got my two front teeth in, and they got knocked out. So uh, I had pins put right right here yeah i've heard that yeah like i that's what i I gotta get those um so i want to talk about um projects that you've done your your stand-up and 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 all the cool that you've been a part of too this this isn't just us hanging out um so i want to talk about you're you're really active in like the rpg community yes i was always ccg I was always card games. I never really mm. got into the role-playing games because I was too busy playing Star Wars and then Magic. Fair. I got into those, I think, because I am very competitive, but I don't enjoy it. So when I play card games, I lose a lot and I become miserable. So I stopped. Like I played Werewolf the Rage in oh, high man. school. And I, and I figured out, oh, I'm so bad at this. I'm not even going to bother learning Magic the Gathering. And... Sure enough, like I've played Hearthstone and I I'm, I absolutely stink at it. Like I, I just I I never found an in. But with tabletop, all I, like if I just got to make a bunch of 
fucked up in advance and then improvise around the gaps. That's like what my brain is made for. Yeah. So I've been doing mostly dungeon mastering, but you know, that, that is so fun. I do freelance dungeon mastering. I do it for my podcast. Uh, I've written for Dungeons and Dragons. I've adapted stuff for tabletop. I just had a book come out. That's uh adaptation of Netflix's the dragon prince. So tell us about that book. Uh, it's called tales of Zadia. And I co-authored it with Cam Banks, who is the steward of the Cortex gaming system. And he handled all the mechanics. And I made up a bunch of new lore, characters, monsters, and stories. Um, and That's cool. Yeah. That's going to yeah, feel so I, cool. It was. I watched all three seasons of the show a thousand times each. And I shared all of this with the creators and writers of the show and had them bounce back and forth with me to make sure I nailed it. And I'm proud to say I came up with 47 different species of dragons. Not like... 47 individual dragons but 47 species so we could have like a full bestiary in the book and like a bunch of creatures i went all i was like what i said to them was i've always wanted to write a book like this so i hope you don't mind if i go hog wild with some weird stuff you might not expect me to go hog wild with and they're like just run it by us and i got to write like folklore um i got to make up monsters that were just the silliest thing i could think of that would fit and i'm really proud of it so you know you can get it right off the website which is talesofzadia.com x-a-d-i-a and eventually it'll be available at all places but like if you're in la go to a local shop a lot of local shops have these and that's way better um getting it off the website obviously nets most money but i'll make residuals so just support a local game shop if you're in la go to geeky tees on Magnolia, I signed a bunch of them, and they're yeah, you can, you can get one with my signature and gold sharpie if you go there. Geeky, geeky teas and games is an interesting spot because it's literally exactly what it says. It is a, I, yeah, a gaming I, uh, and tea store. I bought my D and D stuff there for a long time, and uh, I, I volunteered in their cat adoption center. They have there too, but um, I ran a comedy show out of their storeroom for a couple of years. I think they I don't do comedy there I anymore because of COVID. I did that show. I'm not sure if you were there or not, but I I did that show and because that was before I think it was was that was before we were like friends friends. That that would that would be possible because I I ran shows there from like twenty like early twenty eighteen right up till the pandemic. Oh, so I guess it must have been when we were when we were buds. I ended up buying um some tick action figures there that were on clearance. And uh, and I have if, if I mean I can like I have it it's like nice. right there the box Ooh. it's up there in the top corner I have too much crap I have too much crap but I like plastic crap do you collect anything I used to I do I try to like have less things I sold off my Sandman uh, porcelain figures at the beginning of the pandemic and was just like let's let's own less um but yeah I used to collect a lot I still have a few little collect I have a few old like. Mara Jade, Star Wars figures and stuff like that. Mara Jade. We love to hear it. You're a Sandman fan? Yeah, I can't wait for the new show. I know someone who worked on it. Oh, that's awesome. I um, I think you do too. You know Shaddy Petoskey, right? Uh, not personally. Okay. I'm aware. Yeah. Uh, she worked on it. And yeah. F- funny, I was talking to, do you know the name Sean McManus? Do you know who that, what, who that is? I know who that is, but I don't know Sean. He, he drew volume five, I want to say. Yeah. So yeah. he was he was a real workhorse for DC back then. And, you know, he had done swamp thing with Alan Moore and, you know, and he told me, he was telling me the story last month at wicked comic con. He was just like, you know, he's like, I contacted my editor and was like, okay, I just, I just wrapped on this project. I'm available. What do you have? 
And she was like, okay, well, I got two things. One that you can start literally today. The other one you're going to have to wait like maybe a month and a half for. And he was like, mm-hmm. well, give me the thing today because I want to work. Like, give it to me now. And yeah. Like, and then, and this is, he's like, so I was given Dr. Fate. And the thing that I didn't wait for was Sandman Volume One. Ah. Uh... Which the residuals alone on being the artist on Jeez. Sandman Volume One. Preludes and Nocturnes would be I mean unbelievable. Dr. Fate's cool, but yes. You ain't buying the 1987 Dr. Fate trades. I mean, that's when I discovered Dr. Fate. I mean, sure. I hear like, you. Yeah, but like it's it's funny. Like it's I mean, it's funny because he, you know, he eventually worked on the project anyway because they really wanted him mm-hmm. to do it. But it's so funny that he just had to like not do it at that point. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, well, you know, he's he's done okay, I think. Working on he did what Swamp Thing, Sandman, Fables. Yeah, like he's Mister Vertigo. Um, you said you were talking about wanting to tour. Is it like how do you? Yes. Do you want to start like traveling to my? Yeah, like my my hot spots are the Midwest because I'm from there, and the Pacific Northwest because. There's a lot of uh, liberal nerds up there. So I'm going to be heading probably to Portland, Seattle, and Chicago around the end of the summer when I feel like this current wave will be done. But I mean, I've I've booked and canceled a couple of tours. So I'm just at this point just begging people like, listen, keep an eye on my social media. I I will be sharing my calendar. Have you looked at plane ticket prices? <laughs> no, like I know a lot of comics How are, are they? canceling their tours because they just can't afford to travel. Are are the plane tickets hell right now? They're hell. They are like legitimate hell. Like, well, I don't want to take a plane, so we'll see, right? Like, there, I still feel uncomfortable getting on one, so we'll, we'll maybe I'll drive, but ho- hopefully everything will sort itself out. I'm gonna just hold off. Motor City Comic Con flew me out to Detroit, and they sent me my travel stuff, but it had like a receipt of how much my flights cost. Oh man! And for round trip from LAX to Detroit. It was over $1,500. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, you got... I hope this all sorts itself out, man. Yeah, it's a bit bit much. Like, that's a, that's a lot. I, um, I do hope that you get to do that. Would you... Uh, car, train? How would you do this? Ideally car, but yeah. I mean, I would ideally plane. I like planes. I like, I like going on planes, but I just think that uh, I'm not convinced they're safe yet. And also, I don't feel like having a bunch of weird racists who refuse to wear masks scream on my flight, which I, I know people that has happened on their flight. I'm not just exaggerating, right? Like, it's just like, it's, it's, it's crazy when you read the the number of flight uh, staff who've been assaulted and it's, it's really uh, panic inducing. bit so, of a problem. I mean, Some would say it's a yeah, bit of a problem. I'll do what I got to do though. Like stand up is my absolute favorite thing to do. I love writing. Um, but, and I, and, and I, I'm going to be probably writing and doing stand up the rest of my life, but like stand up is just super cathartic for me. And I really tried to grind an hour out in between waves of COVID in front of live crowds. So I'm excited to bring it to people. I mean, you ch- kind of should, right? Like you, you should be doing that. Yeah. That's what oh, we you gotta, do. You, that's, that's how we and, do that. And I've always tried to follow the Carlin model of like, you put a special out and, and then you 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 retire it all and try and build yourself back up. But COVID kind of f-ed that over. And also when I had when I had cancer, it delayed me too. But like I I haven't put out a full special since 2015. And I really 
I've already thrown another hour out since then, right? That I broke into a couple of EPs that I put out uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. The Greater Good, the Greater Chaotic Good EP, which you can get at Bandcamp. Uh, so Please. if you go to dantelfer.bandcamp.com, you can check out his albums. Uh, you should be doing that. Listen to Dan. He is very, very good and very, very Do it there, not Spotify, which gives you a millionth of a penny per play. Correct. And also... <laughs> It sucks because like comedy, you only listen to it once usually. So why not be somewhere where the artist will get something as opposed to there? Exactly. Although, to be fair, I know somebody that doesn't only listen to your comedy once. I opened with that. I'm so thrilled. I'm um, so, thrilled. so we have that. Um, definitely, uh, you are the DM at uh, Nerd Poker with Brian Posehn. Mm-hmm. Is that is that the that is correct? Uh, and so uh, you can follow them at Nerd Poker Pod as well, and then patreoncom slash nerdpoker. Um, you're gonna want to check that out. Uh, you are um, what was I gonna say? Blah. The Cortex RPG stuff. You're the narrative lead for that. So definitely, everyone check that out and follow Dan Telfer at Dan Telfer uh, on social media. Dan, what else do you have to plug? Oh, that's it. You've you've hit it so well. Thank you so much, Jeff. It is. I did write all that stuff down, and it was basically me just sort of seeing your Twitter bio and then expanding it a little <laughs> what bit a pro, to though. write that stuff down. Um, so definitely check that out, Dan. I'm really excited. For those of you that are patrons, stick around. We're going to talk a little bit uh, about your time at Mad Magazine. Uh, oh, which sweet. is very exciting. So if those of you cool. that are interested to hear about that, head on over to patreon.com slash Jeff May uh, and, you know, give me a couple of small dollars and you can hear all about that. Plus early access to uncensored episodes with bonus content uh, all the time. Plus extra um, shows like Ugg Fine with Kim Crawl and Radvertising is coming. So stop harassing me about it. And yes, you can keep harassing me about it. Get Keep me honest. Make me work. Uh, if you want to hear more from me, you can check out Unpops, uh, the Unpops Network, where you can hear me on Unpopular Opinion, as well as You Don't Even Like Sports, which, as I said, is a sports podcast for people that hate sports. Uh, you can also check out Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Network. Uh, so we got that going for us, too. Um, Dan, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, sir. You, you are a pleasure. Uh, And thank you all for listening. And for you patrons, I'll see you in like, uh, what, like uh, six seconds? Okay, bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Our artwork is created by Justin T. Brown, who can be found at Artness by Justin Brown on Instagram, as well as artnessbyjustinbrown.com. That dope music you heard is by Troy Nababon, available at Troy Nababon on Instagram, as well as at TroyNababon.com. Nababon is spelled N-A-B-A-B-A-N, and boy, does that shred. Thank you all so much for listening. See you next time.